The Good Pals Podcast with Matt Stock and Zach Stevens. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode five of the Good Pals Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Stock. It's a late night Sunday on the tail end of a really sort of dreary, miserable day in Hilton Head, a lazy day, as it were. And uh, I have made a late night journey over to the Lab on Lagoon, where I am joined by my co-host, producer and pal, Mr. Zachary Stevens. Stevens. What's up, Matty Stock? How you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good, bud. Um, we're off to a little bit of a late start recording tonight, but we had some shit to do this evening before we got started on recording. Some good shit. Yeah, dude, for sure. For sure. You said uh, you told me uh, earlier in this week you had a surprise for me. I have a surprise for you on Sunday. I have a surprise for you on Sunday. So I didn't know if uh, we had a guest or something or, you know, what was going on. It was really up in the air, but it ended up being a very nice and very thoughtful surprise. And what was that surprise, pal? I cooked uh, French onion soup today for you. French onion soup is my shit. Well, you got to talk about, you know, like uh, people need to know about your French onion soup French onion, onion soup, soup is, yeah. I mean, I love soup. I think a lot of listeners know that. I like to talk about soup. Properties of soup, rate, soup ratings, you know, <laughs> <Properties> but <laughs> when it comes down to it, you know, where the rubber meets the road at the end of the day, there's only two soups for me and it's chicken noodle and it's French onion soup. All right. Which I love and I've considered myself a bit of a connoisseur on and I'll try it anywhere I can on the island. Always down to try a new FOS and um, not many people make it at home because it's going to be a little labor intensive. Dude, it was uh, at times I got more than I bargained for. You got more than you bargained for. Dude, I didn't realize how long it takes for uh, onions to caramelize. The caramelization process caught you off guard. For sure. Yeah, but you did it, didn't you? You stuck through it. I, I fucking crushed it, I think. Well, you know, I agree. I, so I, rated your, I rated your French onion a five out of five. Oh, my God. I think if I was, like, being hardcore, I would give, like, a 4.5 out of five at a restaurant or something. But That's considering fine. this was your first effort and you made it at home, yeah. it was fucking delicious. The broth was great. Uh, it was nice and cheesy. You can take points for that. I didn't make a homemade broth. Uh, no, no, I don't care about that. I mean, shit's, you know, what's better than the French onion soup I make, which is I never make it. So, okay. yeah, you had good cheese dispersion on the top. You got the little bubbliness on top. Um, leoparding. Served in the crock. Leoparding, new the term. Che- is that a real term or did you make that up? <laughs> I didn't make it up. I saw a cook. I watched the French onion soup videos and the, when the cheese gets like the little brown bubbles, he's like, he's like a little bit of leoparding on top. <laughs> That's cool. Well, you definitely leoparded it for sure. Um, there we go. It was some good ass soup. And, the cro- and you put crostinis in it. Fuck yeah. There's always an element. Some people put like a dark bread in it, like a pumpernickel or a rye or... Um, Let's get fucking real here. Something along those lines. You put some crostinis in it that were like mini garlic breads. Absolutely. Yeah. So garlic, not always a component of French onion soup. In this case, was. Yes. And you told me that you put a little bourbon in there too. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of whiskey. I reduced it though. It was to uh, to, uh, what do you call it? Was that during the caramelization process? Yeah, right before the broth goes in. You just reduce it with a little bit of like wine reduction or whiskey in this case. Yeah, cooking wine is uh, yeah. Sherry sometimes. Yep. Yeah. I had a French onion soup around here not too long ago that I absolutely hated. And um, I should, I'm not going to say where it is, but it was really heavy on sherry. Like it just, the broth just tasted like ah. wine. Yeah, it was like bitter and just not good. I gotcha. Yeah, French bakery. <laughs> you just out them on the bus. Well, you know, I got to thinking about it, and it was really fucking expensive. And you know, you got to walk the walk. If you're gonna... Look, if you're going to charge twenty bucks for French onion soup, well, normally... you got to walk the walk. Okay, Shea George, eighteen or nineteen dollar French onion soup. 
Great. Best French onion soup on the island. It was banging for real? Okay, cool. Shea George, yes, yes. Okay. And yours is very good. We don't like to drag places, but I guess if they're charging out the ass, fuck them, you know? Yeah, man. Maybe I have a barbaric palate and I can't understand the complexities of their, you know. I mean, it's a French <laughs> restaurant and it's onions served in the, but so is Shea George. Yeah. It can go either way, so. Sorry, but you know what? They do great business. I think they're going to be okay. It doesn't matter if I think their French onion soup tastes like feet. Well, neither of us left anything <laughs> in the bowl, so. <laughs> no, we cleaned, We had to clean plate club for sure. It was a good treat. Um, we enjoyed our soup, and we watched episode two of The Last of Us, mm-hmm. which we talked about last week, uh, the premiere episode. We got a lot of feedback on it from people. I know a lot of y'all are out there watching The Last of Us. Um, how was episode two? Um, you know, we'll keep it very spoiler-free because I think – you know, our first episode kind of swayed, or the episode we did on The Last of Us yeah, yeah, we swayed some people to watch it, yeah. but um, yeah, that show, is it's going to be fucking awesome, and it's so well acted, but God, it's it's going to be morbid and fucked up and sad forever. Uh, as you know, that goes along with the zombie territory. Yeah. You know, people are going to get bit. It happens. And they do. Yeah, and rather, rather suddenly, you know, sudden tragic losses and so on and so forth. What I like, but my takeaway... From The Last of Us tonight. And I mentioned this last week. I'm not a gamer, so I haven't played video games since the 90s. Like, at all. What was the last couple games you played? The last game I played to conclusion was Metal Gear Solid on PlayStation 1. Fuck. In 1996 or 97, something like that. Yeah. I'll... I've never played, like, any any Xbox or PlayStation games, held a remote, none of it. Damn. I don't. I think, waste, I think video games are a colossal waste of time. Okay. Well. But, you know, that's changing, obviously. I think that's an outmoded opinion. Now that I've seen, you know, the, the potential of gaming and the graphics and, you know, how immersive an experience can be. I get it, you know? Yeah, it's really like playing a movie now. I started changing my opinion probably about 10 years ago. I used to watch my buddy John Troll play uh, the Batman games, like Arkham. Yeah, Arkham Asylum, yeah. Arkham Knight. And I was Fuck like, yeah, okay, dude. this is this is cool. Like, if I was so inclined, I could get back into this. And yeah, we can't it. go outside and throw a battering. Yeah, I just don't... <sighs> My schedule, my dude, my dance card stays pretty full, homie. You know. Yeah, I know, I know. I didn't have time to sit down and do like long gaming sessions like I used to. I used to play Nintendo for two hours when I got home from school. Yeah. You know, that was you know I had the time to do it. You know, or then I finished my homework and played The Legend of Zelda and stuff like that. Huge part of my of my growing up, you know, video games. I loved it, but I just I grew apart from it. Yeah. Yeah, I bet I'm still good at Sega hockey though. I bet I'm still good at NHL '93 and '94. But I'm getting off track here. I digress. I really noticed a strong, like, um, that, like a, a cinematic video game element in a lot of the shots on the show today. Because I see cutscenes and stuff, and I see advertisements for games. And I'm, but I want to emphasize that I'm not saying it in a negative fashion. It's there's something like different about it or new about it that I don't see in a lot of you know films or television shows. It's I think there's an element of the graphic design in these video games that can be incorporated into live action and be really like beautiful. Or yeah. interesting, yeah. Yeah, and they're they're kind of doing a great job of, of sticking with some of the like original cutscenes of the game as well. Yeah, yeah. So um you know, just like the shot sequences are just like, Oh, this feels like a cutscene into the next part of a mission I'm going to play or something like that with that first show. First shot of the episode. Well after the after the, the, the yeah, the prologue, the first shot of um of the of the girl like sleeping on the flowers mm-hmm. or whatever, I guarantee you that's in the video game. I'm like that has to be in the video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it, but it was really cool, and I just there's something different about it. I can't put my finger on it. There's some sort of a filmatist, you know, I'm sure um, explanation for it, but it makes it it brings a uniqueness to it that I think is uh is is it's just cool, and it just makes it somewhat immersive. I don't know. When I dug it, man, I was, yeah, I was 
this episode was just like, fuck, here we go, you know? Yeah, well, I thought, like, you know, there's only nine episodes, so I'm like, well, you know, maybe they'll get out of Boston, you know, this episode, and then they'll get on the road and start heading out west, but, I mean, I think it feels like they went, like, two blocks. <laughs> yeah, they, right? didn't get, they didn't get very far. Yeah, yeah, beset with some, some challenges and some obstacles, you know? Not the fastest moving episode, but I think good slow build character development and bonds between characters, you know, displayed and stuff like that, and a bit, quite a bit of tension. Well, yeah, and you know, Ellie and Joel, our two uh, characters, are they're they're breaking the um, ice per se. Not Ellie, the ice, but, uh, she's so great. Yeah, Bella Ramsey, whoever uh, whoever hated on her for getting casted, you're should be eating your words right now. She's, she's got great. it, and you can really see Joel. Um, Joel's really pouring on the, just really sort of. Uh, at the risk of oversimplifying it, he's like really mopey, you know. I mean, yeah, like, would... he just and for good reason, right? The guy's been to hell and back. Yeah. But Pedro Pascal just sort of wears this, this forlorn like, this forlorn look on his face. Like he's just constantly he's pained. The dude, dude is pained. Dude, the fucking ladies love Pedro. Yeah, sure. I mean, handsome fella. But I, I mean, told you what a, a girl said to me the, yesterday. Who said? She that? said Pedro is new daddy. Oh, Pedro's she new said, daddy. She said Oscar Isaac's old news. Pedro Pascal's new daddy. Well, <laughs> Oscar is the man, but you know Pedro. Hey, when you got it, you got it. But um, it was a good episode, and <laughs> I think it's you know I think we're starting to see the very beginning of the seeds of his. You know, there's we were you know we were introduced to Joel's daughter in the first episode. You know yeah. who he lost, but I think you can see some clear lines between the the sort of um the the confidence and the spunk and the intelligence. That Ellie has, yeah, she's gonna. That's that's gonna they're gonna reform a bond. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. and that's and obviously that's gonna be the heart and soul of the show, for at least for the next for the seven more episodes that we have. But mm -hmm. um, as far as a, a journey in actual physical distance, not a whole lot happened. <laughs> no. Emotional distance, I think there definitely a lot happened. Yeah, yeah. The Last of Us, yeah. So episode two, guys, that just dropped. I'm sure you guys are all watching it tonight. Good night to curl up and watch a little TV, and have some soup, man. Mm -hmm. Not bad. Not the best thing to do when you're trying to get motivated to sit down and record an electrifying podcast, though. No, yeah. But we're getting in the mood. You know, we got the, we, were, we were a little sluggish getting started, but we just listened to some tunes. What did we just listen to? We just listened to uh, some police, some uh, wrapped around your finger to get us, get us going for this head. From the 1982 Synchronicity album. And that's, that's actually kind of a nice segue into, um, you know, this podcast for the first four episodes or so has been mainly movie related, but we do want to venture into some music review and music you yeah. know, uh, conversation yeah. in upcoming episodes. Yeah. When are we going to do an REM episode? <laughs> Fucking never, brother. <laughs> Not that I don't like them. I just don't like them as much as you. Hey, so. people out there, listeners of the Good Pals podcast, man, why do y'all hate REM so much? Why do people hate REM? It's one of those bands. Such a great band. Athens, Georgia. Yeah. Michael Stipe. What a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Peter Buck, Mike Mills. I'm just not in love with all of it. I said they got some hits, you know? Yeah, they got a lot of hits because they're a fucking good band. Yeah. I really enjoy R.E.M. I think some people need to do a deep dive on them or get more accustomed with them. At first, I didn't like them, but that was when I was like 12, 13 years old. I was hip to it by college, for sure. R.E.M. sort of like a college band. Yeah, I mean, they're from a college campus, right? Or, yeah. Yeah, Georgia. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. Um who else is from Athens, Georgia, though? Well, a bunch of bands. Dude, so many bands. The yeah. B-52s. Uh, isn't Widespread Panic from there? Oof. Strike one. <laughs> I think they are from Athens. The um, B-52s are definitely from Athens. Yeah, Widespread Panic. The Drive-By Truckers, which is a great Sure, sure, band. man. Like, it's... For a small, you know, like, college town. Well, a big college town. 
Future Birds. That's a band you're seeing on more. Um... Oh, does that say of Montreal right there? I wouldn't. Have you ever listened to of Montreal? Where do you see that at? I saw it on the list there. Those are all uh, Athens. I don't see of Montreal. They're in the center column. They're from. I thought they would have been from Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I've listened to it. But I what? guess Of Athens was already taken. <laughs> <laughs> of Montreal has a song called Mine Forever that I like. It's a very atmospheric, like, cool uh, cool tune. Uh, do you know anything about those guys? Have you listened to them? Um, so back in my days of uh, being um, a busboy at a restaurant, two of our cooks were big Of Montreal fans. And they really? They were fucking weird. Yeah, they like made playlists for the kitchen. They'd listen to like Modest Mouse, Of Montreal. <sighs> Like uh, my morning jacket, like just like weird bands. All the cooks I ever work with listen to fucking trap music. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I mean that's you know nice refreshing little indie rock in the kitchen. Oh dude, yeah. Hip hop and like I think hip hop and like classic rock has tended to rule most kitchens that I've worked in. Fair. Yeah, but who knows? You know, everybody likes what they like. Uh, at the at the uh, sandbar where I play music every uh, weekend, the cooks back there they're big EDM people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the thing too. It's kind of sick. They kind of just get down. You like the EDM? Uh, some of it. I I was really like for a couple of years there in high school and shit. I whenever I was going to festivals, it was it was like a really fun thing to like eat drugs and like dance to. I mean, I like it sometimes. Um, it's a mood thing, you know. But yeah, sometimes you're out and feel like moving a little bit. It's it's cool. It's not like my first go. It's just yeah. It's not what you turn on at like eleven in the morning when you're cleaning your house. But I there mean, are different levels of talent. Like some of the stuff that I hear, I guess from the more you know. Some you people. can hear a difference, I guess, between the the, the, the the good stuff. You can separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Plus, like, their fans are just kind of, it's like, put the fucking hula hoop down. We need to talk. <laughs> you know? It's like, you like Sandstorm. Fuck yeah, I do. And yeah. you know why? Because it's the Gamecocks. Because like, he plays in that fucking stadium, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. Because if they're playing Sandstorm, that means we score. Sandstorm's EDM, and that's the touchdown song when the South Carolina Gamecocks score a touchdown. Show is. Yeah. That's they, they time it. Perfectly with right when we finish our field goal and then kick the ball to them. Boom. Kick yeah. the ball. Song ends. Hell of a thing. You'll come to a game next year with me, no doubt. Do you think they time that or do you think that the team waits for the song to be over and then they kick the ball? There's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> Off and running. Episode five, guys. Uh, speaking of football, <laughs> big football weekend. NFL playoffs in full swing. Last weekend we had wild card weekend. Um, onto the divisional round. I'm so happy for you. This week. Why are you happy for me? Because your fucking birds kicked ass. Listen, the Philadelphia Eagles embarrassed the New York Giants last night in Philly. Top ranked, uh, top seeded NFC team, 14 and 3 regular season, yet still patently disrespected by the press and by other football fans like you. <laughs> no, like, I wanted them oh, to win. What did I, I don't know, man. I think the Eagles going to have a hard time tonight. I never said that. I said That's I, exactly what you said, no, no, dude. No, 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 no. I said, I think the Eagles sneak out a win tonight. <laughs> 38-7. Do you think they snuck out with that one? No, I think they won pretty just 28 nothing at halftime. It was over. Handily. The Giants wanted to go home at the half. I'm delighted. The Eagles are the shit. They're the best team in the NFC. They are going to go to the Super Bowl. They are going to beat the 49ers at home next week, who the 49ers did me a wonderful favor of dispa- dispatching. The Cowboys. Hey, y'all still them boys? Cowboys fans? What's going on? We'll see you next year. <laughs> it's been fun. But um, we got to thinking about football, and football's obviously, I think, America's sport. They say baseball is America's pastime, and I understand the Americana aspects of it. 
Way less viewers. Yeah, nothing pulls ratings like football in America. And um, America loves football. We love football. I love Eagles football. Yeah, you and I both went to games this year, you know, NFL and college, respect it. We just, it's a, we fucking love it. <laughs> Wait, I didn't go to any games this year. Yeah, you went to Jags Raiders. Oh, yeah, I did go to Jags Raiders. That was sort of like a scrimmage game. <laughs> the Jags were in a tough spot back then. They hadn't jumped into their late season renaissance yet, though. But I do love, I love going to all live sporting events, but football games are fun. And, you know, I've yet to go to a Gamecock game. We'll have to do one of those next season. Yeah, you and me, buddy, I have all the hookups. We'll get the crew, we'll get the crew together and, uh, and we'll go up there. But since, you know, but since football's in the news and a big deal, we, we, we talked before about doing some sports-related films, but we're going to focus today on football movies in particular. Uh, lots of great sports films throughout the history of cinema. But, um, I mean, and there are no shortage of football films. No. However, the conflict that I had today while researching these football movies is like, there's no, there's no football movies that I love. There's ones I really enjoy that I think are good or I think are well-made. I think a lot of them are very uh, cookie-cutter in their, in their plot lines and their dramatic themes and their structure. Um, and, uh, and there's lots of tropes maybe more than in any other like sports films, but there's, there's, there's some that I like, but there's never, there wasn't like a benchmark, you know, like I think about baseball, uh, you know, I love the natural or, um, I love the money ball. Um, I love the bad news bears. Like these are classic films to me, boxing, Rocky, raging bull. Yeah. Combat sports always has great movies. Yeah. Yeah. Warrior, right? Yeah. The two brothers MMA movie, Tom Hardy and, um, Edgerton. Tom Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton. Yeah, is Tom Hardy a good pals podcast Hall of Famer? He's getting there. If he's Who else did we say was in the Hall of Fame? Um, Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Tom a- Hardy. ATJ. Yeah. And then you were. Uh, you I'm going to induct someone later on the episode, but we'll okay. we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, but football movies. I was, I'm not putting them down, but as I go through the list, I'm, I see the the only the only movie that I think is a great football movie. And I think it's a, it's a bit of a stretch. Is Jerry Maguire? But is Jerry Maguire a football movie? Uh, he, it's more of like a agent kind of drama. Yeah, right? yeah. It's you know, well, it's a romantic comedy. It's a romantic comedy first and foremost, but it has an element of football in it because of you know, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s uh, Rod Tidwell character. I just want you to know this, Maddie. Like, I feel like you're kind. Of, I feel like you're in a minority of saying that there's no good football movie. Maybe like, I said you there's look. no great like yeah. Pantheon football movie. I mean, I see you got you got I know you're you're going through you're you're on the computer over there. You got them dialed up. And I know some of the ones you're thinking about, but for me it's just never there's never been one that's just gone above and beyond for me. I know how many people fucking love Rudy. You know? Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't bring Rudy up. Um I thought about it to be honest. I just like I I I fucking hate Notre Dame, so I'm going to touch on Rudy later. But um, if, if, for me to for me to think about like a, a football movie that I think is very interesting, I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's a great movie. I think it's flawed but ambitious movie, and flawed but ambitious, flawed but ambitious often describes some of the films of the director Oliver Stone, who we have yet to talk about on this podcast, and I think he's going to probably deserve some more love for us down the line as we explore some different you know corridors of film. Um, he is very uh, bombastic, philosophical controversial, uh, sometimes abstract, uh, interesting take on things. 
He has one of my dad's favorite movies under his belt. I just Natural Born Killers? Yep. Natural Born Killers. Platoon, Born on the Fourth of July. Um, and some gnarly picks, too. Uh, some weird stuff like U-Turn. Read me some other Oliver Stone picks. Um, I didn't realize he did Savages, which was a... Uh, oh, Savages is awesome. You like right? Savages? Yeah, yeah I like, dude. I like Savages. I like the act. The cast was dope. Yeah, the cast is good. Aaron Taylor Johnson's a guy who just deserves everything. We're going to take a yeah. couple minutes sidebar here. I highly recommend the Oliver Stone drug action comedy drama Savages from the year... Uh, 2012. 2012, starring Blake Lively, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and uh, what's his name? Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights. Oh, uh, Taylor Kitsch. Taylor Kitsch, Salma Hayek, John Travolta. Oh, man. Benicio um, Del Toro. This, dude, this flick, it just like brought back a poor <laughs> memory because when I was like 12, 13, when this movie came out, I remember so badly wanting to see it. And like not being able to get my stepmom at the time to like give me the okay to buy a movie ticket. Yeah. So I just fucking snuck into it. Oh man, that must me been, and my buddy Quinn. He'll remember that we. That snuck must in. have been awesome because Savages is about like a couple like uh, big time marijuana dealers. You know, they're played by Kitchen Johnson. One's a hippie, the other one's a is a soldier, like a special forces soldier, and their girlfriend. They have a polyamorous relationship, and they run afoul of the cartel, and everything goes fucking crazy. I forgot they had a polyamorous relationship with Blake Lively. Well, he, uh, well, Taylor Kitsch, remember, he doesn't have, he doesn't have orgasms. He has wargasms. I don't remember that. <laughs> kind of glad I don't. Yeah, well, you should give it a watch. I mean, it's a, it's a sexy movie. Blake Lively will never look more beautiful in film than the way Oliver Stone shot her in Savages. God, yeah. And she's one of my favorites. I'm a huge Blake Lively fan, not only of her physical beauty, but her talent and, um, She's great in that movie. So Savages is very cool. Um, that was worth taking a sidebar for because I think it's a, one a lot of people have missed. We might need some sidebars tonight. You fucking hate football. <laughs> <laughs> I like any given Sunday, and it is like it's a it's a it's a long. It's sort of like an epic movie. Uh, it was based on a book by a doctor for the uh, Oakland Raiders that was called "You're Okay, It's Just a Bruise." That sort of looked at the exploitation and. the um, the pain and injury management that was rampant in the NFL and still is, if we're being honest. I mean, we still can't, the NFL still can't get their heads wrapped around a lot of this, a lot of this stuff, a major issue this year with um, Tua Tagliova. Yeah. Or Tagliovoa. Tagavaloa. From the Miami Dolphins. That yeah. guy got a few concussions this year. Well, dude, the movie uh, with Will Smith, Concussion is kind of what like changed the fucking narrative on this whole CTE concussion yeah. protocol in the NFL. Dude, because that guy... But like, you know what they keep saying? You keep, you keep saying the narrative's changed, but I don't think the narrative's changed. These guys get their fucking eggs scrambled, and they still end up going, look what happened to Tua, right? It was like so the first time he got that concussion, it was like sus to put him back in there, and they put him in, and he like finished the game, and then what happened in the next game, remember? Fucking, it happened again. You said uh, a phrase to me I'd never heard that kind of made me laugh at a... Well, I shouldn't have laughed. fucked up situation, but... You know, they get paid a lot of money. You said, I think his noodle is cooked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, but remember when Tua went down and his hand started spasming? And oh, yeah, dude. That was like the game after, or two dude. games after the major concussion thing. He's a guy that should not be playing football. He no. is out there playing football. And these guys want to play. I mean, it's not like they're not getting forced out there. They're competitors. They love it. They're the best in the world at what they do. And that's a theme here in any given Sunday that um, uh, Oliver Stone dwells on. He's like, to him... To him, it's like Roman. Uh, glad- it's a gladiatorial sport. Like he thinks that these guys are like modern day gladiators, football players. Yeah, die on your sword kind of thing. Yeah, and the speed and the violence, 
and the machismo and stuff of the game is like it's very well shot. He used the, he used the team that shot uh, Saving Private Ryan intentionally because he really wanted to dwell on that football is war metaphor. No way. Yeah, yeah, and um, he actually there's a Al Pacino who plays the head coach of the fictional team, the Miami Sharks, is the center of this. Uh, it was originally supposed to be the Miami Dolphins, but when the NFL saw some of the truths that were in this movie, they not only said you can't use any of our stadiums or uh, or any of our team names, like we don't want this project getting made. Oh, the NFL has considerable heft. Dude, they're fucking shady, man. Yeah, they are a little shady. NFL they are a hide shady. shit. They don't want you to know that. You know, they're, they don't want you to know that their shit stinks, you know? Yeah. So if it goes from the Miami Dolphins to the Miami Sharks, um, you have a couple like, you know, like a, a couple maybe like stereotypical uh, football situations here. You have a, a quarterback, aging quarterback played by Dennis Quaid. Uh, he's got some injury issues. He's on the way out. He's losing his touch. And there's a hot shot young quarterback that was just acquired by the team named Willie Beeman. Steeman Willie Beeman. Portrayed here by Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx's first dramatic role. And it launched him into superstardom. When did this movie come out? 1999. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, Jamie Foxx had done some other flicks before this. Uh, my personal favorite, Booty Call, with Tommy Davidson. <laughs> Have you seen Booty Call? No. God, it's so funny. Jamie Foxx is very talented. It's a comedy flick? Yeah. Okay. Jamie Foxx is a very talented individual. Um, as he's shown in some drama, comedy, you know, all phases. Music. The guy does everything. He's a multi-hyphenate. But here he's steaming Willie Beeman. Uh, he's got um, a team of uh, team of players. LL Cool J is a running back on the team. Bill Bellamy is one of the wide receivers. Uh, Lawrence Taylor was um, recruited out of rehab. One of his many stints in rehab. Lawrence Taylor uh, is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, linebackers of all time mm-hmm. in NFL history. He played for the New York Giants, um, number 56. He was an absolute maniac. He had a major drug problem. I did not know that. Including usually being high while playing. I mean, and he was on Dancing with the Stars. He didn't know about Lawrence Taylor's drug problem? No, I did not. What was his deal? He like did cocaine on the sidelines. He had like inhaler. What? Yeah, but he was like around the clock, just really bad, really like bad. Like before going out and like playing? During games. What the fuck? Yeah, he was high. He broke Joe Theismann's leg That's on almost... Monday Night Football. Oh my God, that's him. Yeah. Like the, the leg that like was never fixed again. Yeah, that's LT. Isn't it crazy that the exact same injury happened twice on that field? Yeah, three times, um, at least tw- at least twice. Theismann, RG three, and then um, Alex Smith. Alex Smith, yeah, and his leg almost like rotted off. Yeah, he almost had to get that amputated because it just was so fucked. Yeah, yeah. So LT plays a linebacker, um, and there's another guy who plays a defensive lineman in this. Um, you don't know the name, Andrew Brianarski, Brianarski or Birinarski? Uh. God, I don't know how to say it. You can try to... Andrew Brianarski, I believe, is his name. When he came to Hollywood, they called him the Lithuanian Oak. Big bodybuilder guy. Did you know that he's from Philly? I do know that he's from Philly. Yes, he's one of Philadelphia's number one sons. Uh, The first role I really noticed him in was um, as Christopher Walken's son in Batman Returns, the second Batman film. And uh, he was Chip. Chip Shrek, Andrew Walken's son. I think he had one line. Uh, He said, get behind me, Dad. And I think that was it. That was all I said. But he's got a really strong like uh, film presence. He's big. He's very intense. Um, and he's in three football movies that I'm going to mention today. Always as a psychotic defensive lineman. <laughs> this is the first of them. And uh, he flips a car over in this movie. Uh, he runs around parties with multiple women strewn, strewn upon his shoulders. He chases someone with a shark that he pulls out of a aquarium. What the fuck? Yeah. And uh, he does a lot of drugs. And he's very scary. 
and uh, I'm a fan of his. He also played Leatherface in the Chainsaw movie. Oh, which one? He's in a ton of shots. It's uh, I think the one that was just called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Platinum Dunes one. Oh, that, that was Michael like the last. That was like the last decent one before they started. Yeah, all is that the yeah? Really is that the bad. one? Yeah, he's very he's very imposing presence. But um, big old fella. So these guys are just they're maniacs on this team, and it focuses on the decadence of it and the misbehavior these guys get away with. It, it's 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 an honest but pretty negative portrayal of some of the you know the 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 pitfalls that go along with the glory of professional football, which is why the NFL is not feeling it at all. And of all people, uh, Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, stepped in and let them use Texas Stadium to shoot the football games. No way. Yeah, they shoot five football games in the movie. Oliver Stone calls it like a war movie centered around five battles, but the battles were the football games. You know, he, so. he is a guy who likes his war. Yeah, well, Al Pacino plays the coach, and he has a really up uh, a really big speech. It's very popular. Um, it's you know sort of a viral thing like online for motivational speeches, but it was actually it was it was half interpreted from the script or the book, and uh, the other half was Oliver Stone used to, when he was a motivational speaker, and he'd go and talk about Vietnam, the experiences of Vietnam. Uh, he used most of that speech in this football speech that, uh, that Pacino gives to the team in the locker room. And it is a really good speech. So it's it's an interesting movie. It's a lot. It's bombastic like Oliver Stone can be. Yeah. But to me, it's I think it's, it's the most uh, effective or well-done football movies any given Sunday. Cameron Diaz is in that too. She plays a team owner. and She's like ruthless, you know, and a real business-minded like a shark, an actual shark for the team, the Miami Sharks. But uh, I recommend checking it out if you like football movies. It's any great. Given Sunday. Yeah, any given Sunday. And yeah. Oliver Stone, interesting filmography, interesting guy, worth looking into as well. What do you got for us, Stevens? I feel like... <laughs> say it. All say right, it. I'll say it. I grew up on this movie. I think it's because we have it on DVD when I was a kid. <laughs> Whenever I was getting babysat by like my grandmother or something... I would watch the movie Radio. <laughs> Pro- <laughs> profound. This is another movie the NFL tried to stop from coming out. <laughs> no, they didn't. I'm kidding. Just because it sucks. No, no, I'm not saying it sucks. I've not seen Radio. I'm aware of the premise. But what's Look, up with it's, Radio? It's your cookie cutter feel good movie. But this movie. That's is a okay different. though. This is what a lot of football movies do. That's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, um, so what's, up, what's up with Radio? Well, the thing about Radio that's awesome is Radio is a true story based out of South Carolina. Which did I don't know? Did you know that? I didn't know it said okay, South Carolina. Okay, so radio is from a high school in South Carolina called T. L. Hanna, and um, he was a real kid. He was a so he's basically an African American teenager at the time, and he's played by Cuba Gooding Jr. But he has an intellectual disability, which I guess would be some form of you know autism or something in that yeah. effect. But um, he uh, befri- he, he became uh, he befriended the coach, and um, the coach who's played by Ed Harris in this movie, who's an awesome actor kind of takes him under his wing and lets him be a part of the team. And, you know, the team rallies behind him. And he doesn't play. He's more of like a team, like kind of like a equipment manager or something. Yeah, sure. That effect. Sure. But um, then the team starts succeeding. So Are two of the three movies that you're going to talk about today about equipment managers? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, I think, man. I think so. Big football guy here, Zach Stevens. But Radio was a, was a popular film. And, uh, I mean, yeah. these, these stories are endearing. Born in Anderson, South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I also think this mo- mo- I also think this movie was maybe my first introduction into people who were like a little slow, sure, or like on the spectrum. Yeah. So I think it was like maybe my first, you know, 
realization that like I need to have empathy for these kind of people yeah. and like also yeah. be you know way more caring and that's interesting I can't think of like I knew there were films like that when I was younger where it was my first exposure to you know yeah, mentally disadvantaged or or disabled or, or call it what you will there were more harsh words for it back then of course that we don't use anymore but that's what the way it was described back then and uh, I think for a lot of people that's like you know like uh, Gilbert Grape like Leonardo DiCaprio and Little yeah Grape. yeah absolutely uh, I mean that's a, that's a role that was definitely like that it brings conscious Rain Man is the movie that oh, exposed me to that. Rain Man is the movie with Dustin Hoffman. And that was about autism. Yeah. So, I mean, Are we ranking our favorite autism movies right now? Yeah, I guess, I guess we are. <laughs> like, but these are, I like these sidebars. But uh, Rain Man was mine, dude. And it really was very effective for me to see that. So maybe you had a similar experience with radio. Well, yeah. I think radio made me like cry. And now, was radio like, was with this coach forever, though, right? Or with this team for... Yeah, dude. From, the, from a teenager, like, all the way through, you know, he was a, a staple. Oh, God. I accidentally just Googled, like, Best autism movies. <laughs> I don't know why, but like, it's just like a bunch of A24 movies. Came up. Yeah, I see. I <laughs> like, see. Dude, everyone, dude, if you like fuck up nowadays, you just have to tell people you have autism. So it's, it's but those are like, those are all autism related films that are up there on the screen. Hey, Rain Man came up. Uh, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Rain Man, I think Rain Man raised, up, raised awareness of autism like no film ever had. Do you want to give your Rain Man fun fact? Uh, Rain Man is the first film that I ever reviewed in print. First movie I ever wrote. I was 12 years old. And I wrote it for the school paper. And um, my mother recently unearthed it. Did we talk about this on the podcast already? I don't think we've talked about it, but we've talked about it, you and I. My mother recently unearthed it. Like, I mean, within the past couple months. I'm going to put it up on the page, my Rain Man review. It was a Rain Man review and like a summer movie preview. Where I was thinking of hyping up Batman. I think is what it was. Bro. I mean, do we even need to give the rundown on Rain Man? Or, I mean, have people, everyone's seen Rain Man, right? Well, no. I mean, we're talking about football movies, but, but we just, you know, I like these sidebars, but. Um, yeah, it's true. But radio, you know, that being an, an autism related thing. And, but was that radio's affliction? Something along those lines? Yeah. But and, um, Ed Harris plays the coach, right? Yeah, and he, he's phenomenal. I mean, Probably good performances from both those guys. Yeah, I don't know why this movie's frowned upon, though. It's got terrible ratings. I know I was frowned upon. They thought that Cuba Gooding was just... Let's talk about Tropic Thunder. (laughs) And Robert Downey Jr.'s speech and opinion about actors playing mentally disabled individuals. I'll say it if you don't want to say it. The degree to which you want to do so. And this is not, you know... What he says is, you know, in character... A character that also has blackface on at the time. This is how out there Tropic Thunder was. But he told Ben Stiller, but Ben Stiller had a movie where he played Simple Jack, a mentally disabled character, um, <laughs> that he ben, ben Stiller didn't understand why he failed because he thought he was doing profound work. And uh, the term that Robert Downey Jr. used, if you'll pardon me, is he says to him, if you want to win an Oscar or get good reviews, he said, you never go full retard. Referring to mental retardation, of course, which of course is now... Not a popular term, and it's not the right way to put it, but um, that's what it was, and that's the whole theory about, you know, there's different le- there's different levels of disability to play, and actors are often frowned upon when they do it because people think that they're chasing uh, awards, or like it's award-seeking behavior, you know, it's a, and, they can, and they can go over the top, and we've seen ones that go, and Simple Jack was very biting satire, the Ben Stiller movie within a movie. 
I can see that. It was very biting sire of these like these actors just going for the gold, you know. Well, well, wasn't this all a byproduct of? um, I am Sam with Sean Penn. That was a. I thought it was a little bit. I thought it was Daniel Day Lewis's performance in um, when he has cerebral palsy. My left foot. Yeah. 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 No, there's been a lot of tremendous performances. Uh, Dustin Hoffman's in Rain Man, another one of those. Yeah, but God, those are like three different ones that all seem like they fucking set, like poured the concrete. Sure, well, those, you know? that's, that's the cream of the crop, you know? Yeah, exactly. There's, so there's Rain Man, and then there's Radio, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess. But people, I don't know, people, there's a backlash against Cuba Gooding. I think Radio is right after Jerry Maguire, for which he won an Oscar. Okay. And I think it was a project he really wanted to do, and I think he wanted to do, he probably wanted to show some range. You know, he might have wanted some more hardware. He wanted another of those Oscars on his mantle and he sees, you know, Dustin Hoffman and Sean Penn and all these other guys winning awards for these parts, Daniel Day-Lewis, but it didn't really work out for him. Fuck, dude. And I also just realized my other football movie I prepared today, he might also have autism. Um, Yeah, he may. He may. Bobby Boucher. So we're going to, yeah, we'll talk about Bobby in a minute. Um, There's a movie that the next one I'm going to talk about, I think is like... I think it was a hit. It was a relative hit, and a lot of people love it. And I guess you could say it's like a popular football movie, but I think it's almost like a cult movie. Correct me if I'm wrong, Stevens. But I think that because of like the quotability of it and the soundtrack and the cast and the memeability of it, that Varsity Blues... Oh, yeah, that might be... ...is a cult football movie. Dude, that's a lot of people's like favorite movie. Ever. Not for the reasons that like movies are. Some movies are cult, it's like the Rocky Horror Picture Show being a cult movie because of sexuality or, you know, it's a subversiveness or anything like that. Varsity Blues is like a big old cheeseburger of a movie. You know, it's a fun. It's a fun hang. It's very dramatic. Um, you got James Vanderbeek and Paul Walker, right? Two best pals on a high school football team. Paul Walker, the dearly departed, as the quarterback. James Vanderbeek, the backup quarterback. It's my ruled book. over, ruled over by a tyrannical football coach, played by John Voight. An asshole in this movie, and probably also an asshole in real life, I suspect. But you think John Voight's an asshole? I do think he's an asshole. Yeah, but um, so and some of the other uh, a couple female leads in this: Allie Larder, and who's the other female lead in this flick? Um, Amy Smart. Amy Smart and Allie Larder. Allie Larder. Do you remember Allie Lauder's big scene of Varsity Blues, Stevens? I don't. You don't? No. Do you remember when she puts on a whipped cream bikini? Oh, yeah. No, for James Vanderbeek? Yeah. Yep. Great moment in adolescent film. God, dude, these 2000s actors. You know, for these kids in the 90s, Allie Lauder in the whipped cream bikini was like Phoebe Cates getting out of the pool in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, it was hot stuff, you know? But uh, Varsity Blues is like really... Um, it's a real like yeah. Hell, I call it like the, I call these like hell yeah movies. You know, it's got a bombastic like rock and roll soundtrack. It's got the defiance of authority. You know, Vanderbeek takes over this team after his buddy breaks his leg. Pardon me. Oh, Steven, did you bring up the whipped cream bikini photos there? Yeah. Great moments in film, and um, he's got a um, a character that I like. Is um, uh, is his name Bubba the lineman? Isn't that Ethan Plumley's character? Um, I, I don't think I don't think Ethan um, Supley plays him. Oh, what does it Plumley? Yeah, it's not him. It's another. It's a big guy though. What's his name? Look him up on the cast there. Uh, Aleel Swinton. Yeah, what's the character's name? Wendell. Yeah, I don't, he's got another name, Bubba or something like that. But he's a big boy, and um, he's got health problems. Or Billy Bob. Billy Bob. Okay, there we go. Yeah, they push him too hard, and uh, he gets a little bit. Of, gets to show a little bit of depth, and you know. 
address like his confidence issues, his weight problems, and how unhappy he is. And I remember that resonating with me even a little bit, even though it was like in my early 20s. I was like, oh, wow, this is a little bit serious. But all in all, the movie's not that serious. There's a dram- there's a, like I was talking about stereotypical stuff in football movies or tropes. Dramatic injuries, bar fights, rock and roll, um, defiance of authority. <clears throat> they show up in combinations. And a bunch of these movies, Varsity Blues has every single one of them all the time. And it's a fun movie. I think the song I most... We'll talk about Needle Drops sometimes. We're going to talk about Needle Drops a lot more in the future. I think in the last... The the final, the championship game of Varsity Blues, the Needle Drop is My Hero by Foo Fighters. Oh, fuck. And, you know, it's just... I like it. Yeah, and it just... And it rocks, you know. And it's got some other cool Needle Drops in it, too. But, uh... Vanderbeek's really good in it. He's like a cerebral quarterback, you know. He does defy the coach. He doesn't really care that much about football as the end-all, beyond his life. He enjoys the love of the game, but he's not worried about sacrificing his health or his friend's health, you know, in order to advance or play college. He's really smart. I think, he's, I think he wants to go to Brown University or something, and the coach mocks him for it all the time because he's a writer. Mm-hmm. He's got the soul of a poet, you know, but he still mocks out there on Friday night, ripping touchdowns off. This is a maybe a, a little bit of a sidebar, but it's not a football movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it involves a football player in a football scene. Okay. The original Point Break. Johnny Utah. Beach football scene. Yeah. I mean... Utah, give me two. Yeah. That's a meatball sandwich scene, though. Did they play beach football in Point Break? Yeah, remember all the surfers, Patrick Swayze's boys, they don't really play it correctly? Oh, well, yeah, no, of course not. I mean, surfers don't. Yeah, surfers don't know shit. Yeah, surfers can't throw balls. No, but they can surf though, which, which is, is way inf- cooler. Which is infinitely, <laughs> which is infinitely cooler. Yeah, there's not many people that can do it all, but there are some. One of those just happens to be Johnny Utah, who is a quarterback in a movie that I'm going to talk about later. We had we, we're going to go through some viewer, some listener requests of movies they want us to touch on, but I want to talk about Varsity Blues because I do think it's a cheese ball movie. But I think for kids of a certain era, this is actually, you know, probably probably kids that are ten years or adults that are about ten years younger than me. Varsity Blues really, I'm sure, hit a sweet spot when you're in your teens and you're like, this is the coolest movie ever. Vanderbeek, like the height of his popularity from Dawson's Creek. Paul Walker, um, major up and comer at the time, and the girls and the soundtrack and uh, it's a good junk food movie and I think it's a cult movie. It's like beloved. Varsity Blues is that '96, Stevens. Um. 99. 99. I'm looking at the soundtrack right now. It has a Texas Flood by uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, one of my favorites. Yeah, songs. yeah. Killer killer needle drops in uh, Varsity Blues. Have you, do you want to talk about your next um, football equipment manager movie? I guess so. What do you got? Um, I mean, gosh, I feel like I didn't come prepared with <laughs> many serious football flicks, but fuck, I love The Water Boy. I mean, that's as football as it gets, and it's a... It's a feel-good movie. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, just, um, <laughs> it follows our, you know, Adam, it's one of, it's actually Adam Sandler's highest grossing film. And, um, I believe at the time, probably before Grown Ups, it, when it was released. It, it, uh, yeah, I think it is. It's, I mean, he will, he was just on a streak of literally making whatever he wanted to in the movies and people loved them all. I love them. Yeah, you ever realize that all Adam Sandler flicks, he's like a, He's like a dumb, doesn't deserve the chick, works hard, earns the chick, wins. Emotionally stunted man-child. Yeah, every movie. I can relate to that. Well, not the chick <laughs> part, but being an emotionally stunted man-child, man, I got you. 
<laughs> All the way. Basically, the movie follows uh, our our dear friend Bobby Boucher. I think this is the third movie in the Sandler Lake when Sandler went on that legendary run. I think it was Billy Madison, then Happy Gilmore, then this. Happy Gilmore came out first, do you think? Happy Gilmore came out second after Billy Madison. Um, um, yeah. I remember and I think this was third. The streak ended with Little Nicky. He went a little bit too far on that one. I like that movie. Do you like Little Nicky? Yeah, a lot of people hate mm. it. And, it, and But then he bounced right back with The Wedding Singer. And it was like through the, through the fucking moon. Um, where he still resides. Sandler is the man. The Sandman. Why, why can't I just find a list of his songs in order? I just want to see. Well, and then he had like 50 First Dates and shit like that. And that movie kind of crushed. Yeah, no, he did great with romantic comedies. And, and I mean, even to an extent, these movies are... All these, romantic, all these movies have a romantic element to them. They're like cute, sweet, like chaste sort of relationships. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. And um, like he's never Sandler's never like boning hard in any of these movies. No, he's always well. That's why he always wins. He's got like the best personality. Yeah, there's like little courtship, and he's got the sweeties and um, Vicky Valancourt takes it slow. Yeah, she might be the the uh, most rugged of all his women. Yeah, his <laughs> she is rugged. Feruza Balk. And also, dude. I was going to mention this. We're not doing our needle episode now. Needle about needle drops, you know, best music in movies. But like, dude, Sandler could drop the fucking needle. Oh yeah, you know for sure. But um, the wedding, uh, the wedding singer was a great example of that. And and he also manages (laughs) to to pull. Why are you giggling? (laughs) There's this fucking scene in the wedding singer. (laughs) You know who Robert Smigel is, a comedy writer. Um, Uh, He's like Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. The puppet, I, you see the puppet on Conan O'Brien, like the dog. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was an SNL writer for years, and him and Sandler did a ton of work together. And he worked on writing a lot of Sandler's movies. <laughs> he plays, he's the dishwasher or the line cook and the wedding singer, like at the wedding hall. And <laughs> he just, he turns on the radio, like he turns on like the juke, the uh, you know, like the the handheld, the boombox. Mm-hmm. And there's this song called "On uh, Der Commissar" by Falco. That was like a big '80s German hit. And uh, he turns it on. And, Dark commissar's on. He just puts his arms up in the air and goes, "Yes," <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't need to be in the movie at all. It contributes absolutely nothing to the film. Yet I sit here. As soon as I say the wedding singer, I start laughing to myself. And there's so much funny shit in that movie. That's how all like John Lovett singing like "Ladies Night" at like the wedding singer audition or shit. But the first thing I think about is fucking Robert Smigel hearing Dark commissar and like fist pumping. Well, it's just like you know, all of his movies have these like scenes that. <laughs> stray away from the central plot and have these like dumb little like like Steve Buscemi and um, Billy Madison putting <laughs> taking him off his to kill list and putting the lipstick on his mouth to the light closes in <laughs> <laughs> but I mean just or uh, or Farley like the bus driver and Billy Madison I'm turning this damn bus around yeah I mean <laughs> man he's good at that and it's a weird kind of thing like well, and, and another thing I'm just looking at Adam Sandler's like you know move, top five movies or whatever right now all of these movies are so poorly reviewed by like film critics. Yeah, but dude, fuck. I mean, if a movie's selling that much, is it really that bad? He's bulletproof. If the people like it, people like it. This is a this is a term that I struggle with, and every podcast does shit about this. And I was thinking about it today when I was thinking about varsity blues, basically, and it's a term you've heard a million times, and it's guilty pleasure, right? Yeah. Uh, I've, and it used to be really popular. It's sort of it's sort of lost popularity because I think opinions change about it. I don't really believe in guilty pleasures. I think if you like something, you like it. You know, if you dig it, you should embrace it. You shouldn't have to hide it from like, oh, shit, I really like uh, Booty Call with Jamie Foxx and, you know, Tommy Davidson. 
It's a guilty pleasure. Uh, they used to say a lot about like Baywatch. Oh, I watch Baywatch. It's a guilty pleasure. Mm. But I say like if you dig it, you dig it. Like these movies aren't Shakespeare, of course, but they're very funny and they're juvenile and they tap into something that's simple. And in Sandler's case, usually like a little more innocent. It's not like dirty comedy. No, and it's so light. And he just like, I don't know. And I also just have this tie with these movies with just like growing up with like my pops and my sister and like even my little brother Nick. Like, I mean, dude, these movies are just like so timeless. I, t- I watched Happy Gilmore the other day and fucking died laughing. Yeah, dude. And um, the Waterboy has a lot of those moments. Who else is in the Waterboy? Henry Winkler, right? Is the coach? Yep. Do people uh, know? I wonder, often wonder if people know like the, the, the breadth of Henry Winkler's talent. A very talented dude. I mean, and, you know, it was, it was a, a, one of his first successful roles became an icon. The Fonz. Right? Like a Mount Rushmore of, like, TV characters. The Fonz could be on there. Yeah. Arthur Fonzarelli from Happy Days. And uh, he was under that shadow for a long time. But he's really funny. He's a deft comic performer. And uh, he sings and performs and stuff like that. But he ended up, he's, he's had a really good renaissance, like a second, a Twilight career renaissance, I would say. Mm. And this was part of it. Uh, this was part of it, the TV show Arrested Development. Uh, he came up on, and the guy's in everything now. And, and always very funny. He's in Barry on HBO. You a Barry watcher, Stevens? Um, I've watched the first couple episodes. I need, to, I need to try it again. Yeah, fire it up, dude. I know it's fucking good. I fire mean. it up. Yeah, you'll like I did the same thing as you, and I stepped away from it for a couple years. And then last year, I was like, okay, I'll kick off from where I started, and I watched it in two days. Barry, good stuff. But, um... Yeah, The Water Boy. It's a fun football movie. It's got some big. He's the, the guy's. Like we didn't really talk about The Water Boy that much, but not very complex. The Water Boy no, becomes. A, yeah. Turns it, out The Water Boy has a little bit of a trigger. <laughs> you get triggered. Well, and I, deliver absolutely bone crushing hits on people. Yeah, that's. Kind I of mean, bone crushing hits. Well, and and um, I was I was gonna say this too. Just looking at the cast right here for The Water Boy, it's it's funny to me how well Adam Sandler can like get these. A-list fucking people to come be in his movies. Like, Kathy Bates plays his mom. And yeah. She plays... Academy Award winner. Dude, she's, like, she's what you... You have a term for when someone's just going to the fucking moon. You say they're off their ass in this flick. Yeah, she's dude, chewing up scenery like crazy, man. Kathy Bates off her ass yeah. in this movie. She literally... I can't tell you how many people still call football sometimes foosball. Yeah. Because of her. <laughs> <It's> weird. Yeah. <laughs> It's just knowing what she's capable of, you know, dramatically, like misery, you know, that's what I think of when I think of Kathy Bates. And is that James Conn in misery? Yeah, deservedly like winning an Oscar for that. But she's really funny too, in the Water Boy. Dude, she kind of looks like Billy Strings in this pic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. What can I tell you? But uh, sheesh, the Water Boy. That's a uh, that's a good one, man. You know, I do think it's funny. It's another equipment manager. Um. <laughs> what else? Uh, what's, what other? Um, how are we looking on time? We got a couple. We got time to talk about some more football movies. Uh, yeah, we should be closing up on. Where uh, like, you want to do? You want to do some? Uh, you want to do some viewer requests? Yeah, absolutely. You want to do a little not. speed round? I saw one that's. Uh, I saw one that I thought was interesting. Um, let me see. Martin uh, requested some. I know Chase requested some as well. I hate to say this, but like, have we kind of come to the conclusion today? That, like, football movies are kind of like. The simple man's like feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, just uh, I think a lot of movies that are like a team of ragtag, you know, people with differences have to resolve their differences in order to come together as a team and win the big one. You know, this yeah, they're, is they're, Remember the Titans. They're almost as predictable as uh, Marvel movies. Yeah, dude. Ooh. Remember the Titans, like on the more dramatic side. 
is, is a movie like that. Uh, there have been several comedies like that. Dude, that's another movie where people still call people with long hair Sunshine because of Remember the Titans. Who played that? Ryan Gosling was Sunshine. Is that correct? I don't think so. Maybe but. I'm off. Yeah, look that up. Look, look up. Remember the Titans. But I know that, that was the, that was requested by people. And Remember the Titans. Um, it's based in racial tension. I know that. Yeah, is it, yeah, it's yeah, about yeah, integra- yeah. Is it about integration? Is that correct? Well, yes, and I, maybe that's another reason that I, I actually like kind of like this. Well, I like this movie more because radio and this movie is, is like was a part of like my adolescence. Yeah, dude. Whether well, you know, I feel like they taught me life lessons. Yeah, Disney does some football movies. This is a Disney football movie. We Are Marshall is a Disney football movie. Um, Denzel's in this, of course. So this lends star power to it. And it makes it like a high echelon. Kip Pardue plays Sunshine. Okay, yeah, Kip, Kip Pardue, exactly. Uh, who else do we have in there? The other the football players. There are some young stars in here. Um, I know, like, the, I think the, the, the linebacker, the guy that gets injured. Donald Faison, or Faison. Yeah, yeah, he was on Scrubs, a bit of a comic actor. Um, Ryan Gosling is in the flick. I forgot. He's the one who dances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there's, okay, there's, there's a good guy I'm thinking of. And, uh, well, yeah, Suppley's in this one. That's who you're probably thinking. Ryan Hurst, okay, played... He's the, He ended up in a, uh, Sons, of Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, he was yeah, Opie. Yeah. Did you watch Sons of Anarchy? Yeah, 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 the first couple seasons. Opie, had a, Opie got, got a bad on that show. He was everyone's favorite character, and he got taken out. I got fucked up. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so you had Ryan Hurst, and they have to set aside their differences, and it's not easy, and it's a bunch of practice scenes, and there's Motown music... Right, the needle drops, and coach has a little oh, cute daughter. Mu- coach has a little cute daughter. Uh, Loves by, football. Uh, Hayden Panettiere, yeah, who's like a, a mega football mind. So that's a cool character. Uh, Remember the Titans is a feel good movie all the way, man. Yeah, I can't say I. I there's a thing I don't fucking like about this movie. Do I fucking love it? It is good, man. Maybe you know what? You know what? I'm a grouch sometimes. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a Grinch, and I'm a little bit of a film snob. And I can poo-poo these movies. Now, I'm not going to say that Remember the Titans is a great football film. Well, dude. Uh, I still don't think there's a great football film. But this is a good one. Do you know the comedian Shane Gillis? Yeah. He has a bit about Remember the Titans where he's like, he's like, this movie's pretty funny because he's like. Wait, this is Shane Gillis we're talking about? I can imagine what he said. <laughs> yeah. Well, he basically just says something to the effect. That he's like, he's like, you guys know Remember the Titans? He's like, it's funny. I like all these white people. Like. Black people shouldn't be on our, my kids' football team. They shouldn't be playing. He's like, he's like, yeah, but then they won the state fucking championship. <laughs> right, exactly, sure. It's, it's a helpful piece of the puzzle. But um, yeah, Titans is solid. Punch, Stevens, punch up a movie called The Replacements, which I believe you uh, told me you were not familiar with. We had several people ask about this movie. They want to they want to do a quick uh, run through on it. The Replacements is a movie that um, I feel like it was like partially made with the cooperation of the NFL, but it's a comedy. And um, it was a big budget, um, lots of stars in it, and it's about a football strike. And the replacements are a team. Uh, I think the Washington Generals or Senators are the team is the name of the team. And our lead character here is the aforementioned um, Keanu Reeves as Shane Falco. What a great quarterback name! Yeah, dude. I want I want Shane Falco on my team. Shane Falco and a team coached by. One of the greatest actors of any generation. Gene Hackman? Yes, Gene Hackman. That's correct. Um, here's a ragtag group of, you know, uh, zany, zany players. John Favreau. 
uh, is a linebacker. So John John Favreau is the crazy linebacker here. Rizey fans, isn't it? Or Fons? How do you Who, say? Reese Reese Oh, it's Reese. Reese, yeah. yeah. Reese Fons as a kicker. I think he's a rugby player. Uh, who are the other maniacs on this team? Faison Love, I think, is one of the guys. Yeah, Art Lafleur. Uh, yeah, man, and um, this okay. This is a uh, the way. This is like Varsity Blues. It's got heavily choreographed big play football scenes with propulsive rock and roll soundtrack. A great number of them music songs by the Rolling Stones, but bad Rolling Stones songs. Oh, it's got Pam Halpert's. Uh, <coughs> it's got Roy. From the is he in it? Is he? Yeah, it was one of his like one of his like younger movies, I guess. But um, oh yeah, he was like the super innocent guy on the team. I got a lot of needle drops. Got a lot of rock and roll stuff. The Stones, I think, had a bunch of like songs they sort of put on the shelf that they didn't think were good enough for some of their like late nineties albums. And I think a lot of them got donated to the replacements. Damn! So this movie must have had a budget. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was a big hit, but it's a heavy. Uh, it's a rewatchable. Um, you know, it was a heavy cable rotation where I think it picked up a bigger following than it did in the theater. I'll have to check this one out. It's entertaining, man. This and, is um, funny because as far as like audience score goes, this is like the highest rated football movie we've yeah, been into. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool. And, and Keanu Reeves is a, um, it is good in it, but he has, you know, but he says, quote is, um, uh, pain is temporary. Chicks dig scars. Glory is forever or something like that. And, hmm. you know, they all, they put aside their differences and, um, do they win the big one or do they not win the big one? I'll let you decide um, for yourself. But it does have rock and roll, uh, grouchy coach, slow motion, um, slow motion scrambles by the quarterback where he changes direction seven or eight times before either running the ball in or throwing the winning touchdown. Hyper realistic. Yeah. Um, and all those like all the tropes, all the stuff that all the good cheesy goodies of RC Blues has, the replacements has big time. Did anybody mention uh, the Little Giants? Um, <laughs> somebody mentioned Little Giants to me. One of our pals, I said, what's your favorite movie? And they said, Little Giants without hesitation. I was like, no, but I'm serious. <laughs> so, favorite? Was it was Nicole Chabelli? Uh, no, I'm sure she loves Little Giants, though. <laughs> she, she, loves, she loves flicks like that. But um, my, my brother still quotes. I think Little the Little Giants. Giants played in Philly last night. Oh. Yeah. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. Come on, man. Crickets, crickets. <laughs> anybody, anybody? 38 to 7. Uh, my brother still says, I'm like, damn, what play do you think they're about to run if we're watching football together? He goes, I think they should run the annexation of Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The replacements is the replacements is entertaining. That's a good time fun. That's a good time fun movie worth uh, worth checking out. Um, and what, uh, anything else? There's anything else we need to circle around on? Not necessarily. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're good for the day. Yeah, I think we've uh, we've spent our. our we made it. Off. I just had a really good time on this podcast. Yeah, me too, man. I think that this is maybe one of the most tangential podcasts we've recorded. Wait a minute. There's one thing we failed to look up. Okay. Are there any Oscar wins in a football movie? I believe Sandra Bullock was nominated for The Blind Side. The Blind Side. Did she win? Uh yeah she did I think fuck we have an Oscar yeah. football movie baby Let's yeah I go. think I think that's it but not as a football player as the... it didn't win Best Picture did it I think maybe it didn't get the fuck out slow year maybe look at who else was nominated that year it won Best Picture no there's no way she won Best Actress that's true so that guy really he didn't like he didn't like that movie right. The guy who played Michael Orr? The, like the real Michael Orr was like, yeah, I'm not crazy. About I believe it was nominated, but I think the Hurt Locker won that year. Thank God. Yeah, Hurt Locker is good. Can't 
that fucking movie. Was I think it? the Hurt Locker was before that year. Are you talking about Zero Dark Thirty? No, it's the Hurt Locker. I don't. I don't know why that was. Why that came up? But yeah, she definitely won Best Actress for. Yeah. Good Sandra, performance. Sandra Bullock. Yeah, doing the sassy Southern thing. Yeah, she know. played Leanne Tui. Yeah. Kathy Bates is also in that flick. So did they become the guardians of Michael Ower, who became a very successful player with the Baltimore Ravens, one of the highest paid offensive linemen? Yeah, he was also a Panther for a while, baby. Come on. He was? Yeah, he was a Carolina Panther. Oh, that's right. He liked the Panthers. Five years. Four years. Yeah. Like you were an Eagles fan for like four years, and then all of a sudden you were a Panthers fan. How's that working out for you right now? Dude, I was never an Eagles fan. I was an Eagles supporter. I'm 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 an ally. Yeah, or you want to? You can jump on. You can jump on with us. I don't believe in that shit. Bro. For the road to for the road to the Super Bowl. Look, I hang on to my shitty teams because when they pop off, I'll be ready. Yeah, I'll but be... you're pulling for the. You tell me you're pulling for the birds. I think through the remainder of the playoffs. Is there another team on the docket that you're interested in seeing advance? Who do we got left? The Bengals, the Chiefs, the, the Birds. Bengals, the Chiefs, the Niners, and the Birds. Um, I hope it's Eagles, Bengals in the win in the end. So, uh, Burrow or. You guys get one. You like Joe Burrow? Like the, uh, like Dude, the Bengals? Dude, who doesn't like Joe Burrow? Come on. I don't really like him. Why? Because you might have to play him? I don't like the Bengals. It's not well, Joe Burrow's a good quarterback. You know what? I like the Steelers, sort of, you know, because yeah, I'm a Pennsylvania what, guy. Here's what the Bengals And the are Bengals doing. were always like the dirty, like, rivals of the That's Steelers. what I was saying. The Bengals, but the Bengals are doing are changing the whole narrative around that program. They used to have, like, Vontae's perfect fucking pack. Dude, Pac-Man Jones was, like, killing people at night in yeah, I think Vontae's perfect made Antonio Brown go crazy with that one hit. Thing. Nah, dude. I saw a picture of him at Central Michigan the other day when he's like in college. He like took his like he like took his like senior photo there with like with his grill in. Who, Antonio Brown or Vontez Murphy? <laughs> Antonio Brown. Yeah, but he used to be like quieter and like just not like but but he started going crazy after some of his head injuries. Mm. I don't know. Maybe Will Smith can check him out. Maybe. Check his head out. Maybe Will Smith has a fucking concussion. <laughs> yeah, I think he's fucked up too. <laughs> what happened to him? Oscar nom- Oscar uh, nominations are announced Tuesday morning. Probably not getting nominated for Emancipation, Will Smith. Dude, can we just hope? <laughs> can we just hope and pray that this upcoming Oscars will just be better? Like, I just. I have a. Th- um, you know what my theory is? You know what I think needs to happen? What's up? I think that Top Gun Maverick needs to be acknowledged as Best Picture of the Year. What will win Best Picture, Matt? <sighs> Some movie that none of us fucking saw. Right off the top of your head, what do you think was the best movie you saw this year? Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I mean, okay, no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. It, it was one of the best I saw. I mean, I saw everything everywhere all at once, which is heavily favored, and I'm not the hugest fan of it. I liked it, but I'll have to watch it. But dude, my favorite flick is doesn't get um, is not getting the love. What is it? Northman. I still haven't watched Northman. Dude, I almost dialed it up the other night. The Northman was the best movie of the year. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I like I enjoyed um and I enjoyed Avatar. But um, so, I really think I think Top Gun is my favorite movie of the year, dude. If Avatar or Top Gun wins Best Picture, we're starting to fail art. That's no, dude. You have to look at the bigger picture here. Okay, like Top Gun saved the theater business. And it was a great movie starring America's greatest movie star. And it was just fun. I loved it. But yeah, I'm just saying. Everyone loved it. It I'm made just fucking saying billions respect, of dollars. We have to respect like directors and and. and in art, art. Like. Okay, and this is how a movie like fucking Life is Beautiful or The Artist wins Best Picture at the Oscar. Never to be remembered a week after the fucking ceremony when there's some other movies. Fair. Like Boogie Nights. You know, well, what's, or, a, what's a better movie? Actually, I'm not going to go there because I don't even feel that way. So, I'm you know, well, I think, well, you know, well, next week, um, we obviously, we have a good topic. We can talk about the Oscar nominations yeah, and pick good. apart and pick apart some of them. But I think it's going to be interesting. But I think that Top Gun could help restore 
the relevance and people's interest in the Oscars. I'm just over the pandering. I want to get back to. I want to. I want to have an Oscar party. I want me you and Sarah Joey to have an Oscar party. Oh my god, that's the best fucking idea we've. I wanted to make the Grand Budapest Hotel (laughs) dish. (laughs) Yeah, what will be our? uh, God, we have so much to think about. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyways, y'all. We'll 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 talk about next week. You know, we'll talk about the Oscars and then maybe mix some other stuff in. Um, today we talked a little bit about football movies, but a lot of other movies too <laughs> at the same time, but it was fun. And that's kind of the way we do it here. Yeah. Just like you guys in life. Sometimes we have to fucking wing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, uh, but I'm, I think it went, I think it went well. And we, we touched on a lot of movies that I really enjoy talking about. And I always enjoy talking about movies with my good pal, Zach Stevens. I'm Maddie guys. That's the good po- pals, good pals podcast <laughs> for this week. Um, remember to rate, rate review. And share, man. If you dig what we're doing, uh, put it out there. We appreciate the love, and we will see all you guys next Monday.